The Pilgrimage of the Heart podcast is brought to you by PYO.Yoga, an online studio for all your yoga needs, including videos in Spanish and Russian. This podcast is also brought to you by Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga, located in San Diego and serving over 1,000 yogis a week. Hi, this is Sujantra. Join me now and every week as we explore yogic philosophy and apply it to our daily lives. Basically, at this point in the Yoga Sutras, we're up to Sutra number 12 in the first book. And the, uh, he begins by defining clearly that yoga is the cessation of all of the vrittis or the fluctuations in the mind. And so he says... You're either the seeker or the seer, as he describes, we are like seers. Um, As seers or yogis, we're either in the resting state of our true nature, where all the vrittis are calm and still, we're in a, a state of true yoga, where we're one with the soul, or we're not. It's one of those two. You're either in a deep state of peace and meditation, or you're not. And then if you're not, he describes the five states you could be in. So these are general states of mind. And um, can, can anyone take a, uh, a remembrance of any of those five states? One Okay, the state of sleep is one. I think he included that. That was together in the world of sleep. There's the state of memory being, being um, in, a, in remembrance. You're in the world of memory. Yes, so correct knowledge. So you're, you're thinking, you're, you're functioning, and, and you're, you're um, taking in reality as it is. Dream... Let's see, let, let's keep, let me think. I that, think that might have been part of sleep, but we have correct knowledge, another one. Yeah. Um, indiscrimination. Indiscrimination. So you're not discriminating. Someone runs in and says, hey, Normal Heights is on fire, and we all fly into a flurry of panic, whereas we didn't really discriminate. You know, we, no one went out there and looked and said, hey, nothing's happening. We just, like, got lost in the flurry of it. Um, so indiscrimination. And then the fifth, I don't think it was dream. Let's take a quick look. Um, five classes. Right knowledge, indiscrimination, verbal delusion. Verbal delusion. And that he describes as... Uh, verbal delusion follows from words having no corresponding reality. A word is uttered and we do not wait to consider its meaning. We jump to conclusion immediately. So someone says, hey, Sujantra, you're not a very nice person. And immediately I like jump into this whole emotional world over it. Um, whereas, hopefully, it, there was no reality behind what they were saying. So you get lost in verbal delusion. So those five states. So now to, um, so he describes those five states. And can anyone think of, a, of a, an instance today where they were in indiscriminate, 
indiscrimination. You, you mistook one thing for another where you, weren't in a, where you were, weren't in a state of right knowledge. You misperceive things. I lost my keys last night from my van. Uh-huh. Okay, interesting. So they were really lost. Yeah. But you were walking around in the state of I've lost my keys and all the emotional things that go with it. Yeah, it's going to be expensive. Play through all the scenarios. And yet the keys are sitting right there. Yeah, that's a good one. Anyone else? Something that occurred today or yesterday or this past week where you, where you mis- completely misperceived the situation. I had a situation where I thought someone was going to be very upset with me. And I was playing through it in my head, how I was going to react, what I was going to say, how I was going to explain myself. And it it turns out they couldn't have cared less. (laughs) I'm playing through all these scenarios. What's that? What a relief that must have been. It was, and it was also... um, it was a relief and it was an insight into just going down, going down a path. Kujar? Yesterday I had this, um, was it another key thing, the key, brand new car didn't work, and all of a sudden the car didn't work at all, I just stalled, and, and then he had to call, I had to the car towed, and I was, I was freaked out, the car was going to be and I had gone all day, and I was just like, hmm. Yeah, and and this is what we do. So, and you can be a you know someone like Pujari's practiced meditation for how many years, Pujari? Thirty-eight years, and knows how to meditate. But then the simple fact is, for anybody, you're either in that meditative stillness and awareness, or you're not. And when you're not, it's so easy just to fall off into these into these um, flights of Unreality. There's not a thought, but with the what the, but there's the feeling, and so the in the in the yoga sutras, it doesn't necessarily distinguish between the fluctuations that appear as emotion and the fluctuations that appear as thought. So the bottom line is that these these fluctuations are what we need to deal with, whether it's in a form of um, a feeling that you're not sure why it's there or, or what's, what it's all about or whether it's a really clear 
like, hey, they're going to have to tow my car and you're playing it through in mental images or if it's a feeling. But either way, it's, it's these fluctuations that need to um, be brought to a point of stillness. And so then you, you start to realize, you take a, once you start to take a good look at yourself, you realize what a formidable challenge it is because it's just so easy to... to fly off into these um, indiscrimination and incorrect knowledge and verbal delusion. and It's just so easy to get lost in it. And of those five, the, the, you know, sleep can be a nice night's sleep or it can be fitful. Dreams can be pleasant or they can be scary. Um, so a really nice thing to work towards of those five is the right knowledge to go through life and really try to perceive things correctly. And I think the more you can bring yourself to a point of calmness and stillness in your interactions, the better chance you have of perceiving things correctly, of, of, of moving through life with right knowledge. And again, it says the three, the three ways to garner right knowledge are... Um, uh, Direct perception, inference, seeing one thing and realizing a connection with something. If there's smoke, there's fire, um, etc. And then um, uh, the the testimony of people you trust, knowledgeable people. <clears throat> so I had a situation. I think it was yesterday around the studio someone came up and told me something um, that they thought was terribly wrong and luckily I, I knew that they knew nothing, pretty much nothing about it you know they were really up in arms about something and it would have been and they were carrying a lot of emotional um, intensity with that and it would have been easy to like get lost in the verbal delusion of it and like oh my god this is a huge problem but in, the, in trying to remain still and calm, looking at this person, I didn't say it to them, but I just knew they had no idea what they were talking about. So then I went to the person who would know about it. And so sorting through situations um, with wisdom as you're dealing with different people, because once someone starts to go into a fluctuation, all their emotions going to be behind it, and they're going to believe it 100%, because they're lost in their own incorrect knowledge and to them it's perfectly real and all the emotion that goes with it is going to be there and so it's very easy to get deluded thinking this is reality because for that person it's reality but in fact it's not so trying to really maintain correct knowledge in your life is a really good goal as we're going through these fluctuations So then realizing the immensity of it, sutra number 12 says that to control these fluctuations, their control is by practice and non-attachment. Practice and non-attachment. We probably all know what practice is, doing our daily practice and quieting our mind and try and stay in balance and focus on your breath and all the tools you have but what what uh, what does non-attachment mean to you what does non-attachment mean john it's like, uh, kind of don't care about uh, 
And so um, not caring if you have it. You don't let it own you, right? So in the Bhagavad Gita, one of the other uh, great writings of Indian philosophy, it says you have the right to your actions, but not the fruits. So in other words, do your best, but let go of the expectation that things have to turn out a certain way for you to be happy. A good example would be sports. Play your best and get the satisfaction, satisfaction from doing the best you can, don't let your satisfaction hinge on just on only winning because you can't always control that. So right, non-attachment. Any other um, thoughts on, on what non-attachment would be or mean? Non-attachment. I think sometimes I live in a world of verbal delusion. You live in a world of verbal delusion, yeah. So the, the, the non-attachment is to a particular result. Right. And it's a big result. <laughs> right, right. So you do your best and you don't, uh, you don't fixate on that result, but you're finding that it comes around anyway. Yes. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so letting go of the uh, result. Doing our best, but letting go of the result. And so in the terms of the meditation practice, that would mean, for example, getting up early, doing your practice, doing your meditation, and even trying to be not attached to certain expectations of what happens during your meditation. You know, so let's say one morning you have a really nice meditation. In that, you feel really peaceful and calm. And so the next morning, to be able to sit down and not have the expectation of, okay, this is what I did yesterday morning, I'm going to do the same thing, and I want the same experience, universe. Because when we have a lot of expectation, we're telling the universe what we want. We've decided what's going to be the best experience for us, whereas we may be completely wrong. We may have learned a lesson yesterday, and we don't need to learn it again today. We had that nice experience. Today, the universe, there's something else we need to um, transcend or work on. So their, their control is by practice and non-attachment. non-attachment. Continuous struggle to keep the fluctuations perfectly restrained is practice. So now he's defining these two terms. Continuous struggle, or instead of the, instead of the word struggle, continuous effort, continuous practice. Continuous um, fluctuation happens, try to still it. Or you feel anger rising up within yourself, try to bring in compassion. So try to bring in the balancing uh, thought or balancing emotion. So, and just continuously doing that is practice. It, the practice, becomes firmly grounded by long, constant effort with great love for the goal to be attained. And so then that idea of 
the great love. Because up to now, this is the first time in the Yoga Sutras and one of the few times that love is mentioned. Usually the Yoga Sutras, it's pretty um, philosophical and here's the practice, here's how you still the mind, quieting the mind. And here we, we come across the idea that love is an important component in all of this. You really have to have some love and a longing for this goal to be attained, for this peace of mind, or whatever form it takes for you. And so that's, that's a good thing to have in your life is a really clear conception about what your goal is when you sit down and meditate or in your spiritual journey or in your, in your life journey right now. Besides your material, the, the material things you want, what is your, what's your spiritual goal right now? And the more clear you can be on it, the faster it's, you'll, you'll do it, the faster you'll get to it. So it's, if it's vague, it's, it's hard to achieve something that's vague. You know, to say, well, I want to feel better. That's pretty kind of vague. To say, I want to feel more compassion, or I want to have more gratitude. You know, if you can start to focus things in on things you really care about, it's going to help to cultivate that love because you're, you're, you're choosing a goal in your journey. And ultimately, the goal is to have all the, everything stilled and you're reconnected with your soul. But that's a huge goal. That's like the nirvana experience. And so it's good to have intermediary goals as you're moving t- towards that. Because that's a big, it's a big step. And so, giving giving that some uh, some structure in your life. When when uh, when I meditate with the people in the Sri Chinmoy Center, we meditate twice a week. It's about an hour and a half meditation. The focus for the last uh, month or two has been gratitude, focusing on on gratitude. Sri Chimoy wrote a huge book about gratitude, and so the guy who picks the reading has been <laughs> picking from that book for the last two months. And so just this whole concept of gratitude being a really powerful, transformative energy in our lives, because it's so easy to complain and bemoan our situation, whereas if you can bring forward gratitude, it can, it can wipe the, the slate clean. And so looking in your life for some real transformative energies and giving them, picking them as a goal. Any thoughts on that idea? It's a good one. At this point up into people's journey, has anyone like chosen a goal at some point and, and achieved it? Because and, you, know, you reach one goal and then it shows you more possibilities. So has anybody put one out there for themselves and, and attained it? Peace. peace? So just um, starting this whole journey saying, I just want to have more peace in my life. And you found it? 
Yeah. I haven't killed my son yet. <laughs> <laughs> I killed your son, good. <laughs> a, a good one, when I first, one of the first books by Sri Chamal I read, he talked about sincerity. And up until that point in my life, I had never really thought about sincerity. So I started, because he said the, ba- the foundation of the spiritual journey is um, simplicity, sincerity, and purity. Simplicity, sincerity, and purity. So I knew what simplicity was because I was in college and I'd gone from, you know, house and family, all this stuff and the simple life of the dorm room. Dorm room. So I thought I had a sense of simplicity. Uh, but sincerity was something I'd never really thought about in life. And so I started to meditate on sincerity and, and focus on it and really found it to be a transformative experience. So yeah, I suggest as you're reading and exploring different things to um, look for some qualities and, and pick specific things on your inner journey to move towards. Okay, and the last thing I'll read is the definition of the non-attachment So non-attachment is what comes to those who have given up their thirst for objects, either seen or heard, and that which wills to control the objects is non-attachment. That effect which comes, so non-attachment is that which comes to those who have given up their thirst after objects either seen or heard and which wills to control the objects. That is non-attachment. So there's a part of us that, that wants to possess these things and so the non-attachment is to those things but also non-attachment to the part of yourself that has the yearnings. Because that part of ourself is so deep. It goes back to like being an infant. The grasping reflex is like innate. We grasp as as animals. And so we're we're always grasping in life. And so it's going to keep happening at a deep level, but to be detached even from that part of yourself to be able to see it and and observe it without buying into it. Thanks for joining us. This has been a production of Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga. Join us at our studios here in San Diego or visit us online at pyo.yoga. Namaste.